Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Are you having a good day today? Isn't it a beautiful day? Yes. Um, as you've noticed, um, Johnny and Kathleen are not here today. They're celebrating their anniversary. So I'm spilling in for them. Okay, so if you would take your hymn home and turn to 209.
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, that's better. We got two good mornings. And what a beautiful day it is, for sure. Uh, let's pray. So, Father in heaven, thank you for letting us be here. And, Father, for, for just having the fellowship with each other, the love that we feel. Lord, thank you for the music and the musicians, the teaching that we're going to hear, the teachers and the students. And, Father, we just pray that you'll bless it all to your glory. For we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple different things. Um, Wednesday, all right, we're going to have a Bible study at, well, the dinner starts at 6 o'clock, it's potluck, and the Bible study starts at 6.45, and Bill Gallagher is going to come, and He's going to finish up on the life of Joseph. So it's been a pretty pretty uh, interesting study for sure. Uh, the woman's Bible study, they're going to resume their classes in September. If you have any questions, you can call Linda Tennyson. Um, let's see what else. Prayer requests. Uh, there's a number in there that you can uh, give for prayer requests. Go ahead and make your announcement if you want to. So ladies, you know, the last few weeks we've had the little blurb in the bulletin about the July 29th women's gatherings. And we really want you all to come to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, there is a sign-up sheet in the back that we would love to know about how many are coming. But if you'll sign it up, it's on, sign on it. It's in the foyer. And if you don't know what you're bringing yet, don't write anything down. I'm not worried about that. But just maybe sign up if you would, please. Okay, Pastor McKinney. Yes. Thank you. Uh huh. Good morning, folks. Good morning. This coming Saturday morning at nine o'clock, we are having a men's breakfast. So if you're a man. You're going to come to that. Make a note of that. It's at 9 o'clock. We've been saying 10 o'clock for months, but it isn't. It's 9 o'clock a.m. We're going to have a wonderful breakfast. The meal will include all your favorite foods, as well as hot biscuits and gravy, prepared by none other than Master Shelf, Shelf, Chef, sure. Chef, Steve Schaefer. See, we do. Oh, there he is. Then we will be doing a lot of singing, followed by a short discussion on how to deal with difficult times. And here's a sample of that discussion. There's an old Chinese fable that goes like this. Man sees an old friend he hasn't seen in 20 years and starts asking him questions. The man says, how's your son? The old friend says, well, he was riding his horse, it threw him, and he broke his arm. And the man said, oh, that's bad. The old friend says, how do you know? Turns out the military came through to press all the young men into service, but my son was exempt. The man says, well, that's good. The old friend says, how do you know? When it looked like we were losing the war, they came and got him and put him right on the front line. Oh, the man says, oh, that's bad. The old friend says, how do you know? He was awarded the Medal of Bravery, and he was given a great big certificate. The man says, well, that's good. His old friend says, how do you know? The fame went to his head, and he nearly drank himself to death. And the man says, well, now that is bad. The old friend says, how do you know? He wrote a best-selling book about his experience, and now he's rich. And the man says, well, is that good or bad? 
My old friend says, we'll have to wait and see. See you Saturday morning. Uh, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. And I want to just say something and embarrass somebody. Um, you know, there. it seems to me, and, and the statistics point out, that there's a lot of people that aren't going to church anymore, okay? Or that go very sporadically. I just want to tell Robert and Teresa, who got in a car accident this morning, and are in church today, okay? Glad to have you.
a beautiful song. Hymnal, page 343, Grace.
for providing salvation through Jesus Christ. Not a salvation that we can earn or deserve, but a salvation that is given to us, freely paid by the precious life and death of Jesus Christ. Father, we honor you and we ask that you be blessed today when you hear our singing and when you see our teaching of the Word. We'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God, 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 praise God,
Before we start, I'd, I'd like to welcome another member uh, of our church. Uh, we're so glad to have her, Gwendolyn. Yeah. <coughs> Thank you for your word, Lord. It's, it's a light unto our feet, unto our path, Lord. It's, it's everything that we need for life and for happiness. It's our instruction manual. It is your word written down for us about the living word, Jesus Christ, and the spoken word. And we thank you, Lord God, for every word that's in this Bible. And we just pray that you'll give us a hunger for the word, give us wisdom to understand it, and we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I entitled this message, Do You Have a Love-Hate Relationship with God? Now, you might think, wow, that is a, a, a pretty stern title for a message, but as we get into it, I think that you'll see what I mean. I'm sure that many of us, all right, in our lives have been on God's page where we were doing the will of God, we were fellowshipping with Him, and we were just feeling good about our relationship with God. And then on the other hand, there probably are many of us here that have had times where we just sort of put God on the back burner. Am I, am I the only one that, that's done that? Okay, good. I see I see three people shaking their hands. Okay. Their heads. Okay. Good. Yeah, and, and you know, God knows that we're human. He he takes that into consideration. And sometimes we do have a love relationship with God. Hate might be a, a strong word, but it, it was the opposite of love, so that's the one I picked. Let me read something to you out of Proverbs chapter four. If you want to turn to it, you can. I won't be there very long. Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20. I'll wait for just a second for you to get there. We'll be in a couple of scriptures in Proverbs, so you may just want to put one of those envelopes in Proverbs, and then you can uh, refer back when we go. We're going to be doing a little bit of scripture hopping today, and uh, that's certainly a lot better than bar hopping, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 4. Now listen very carefully, okay? Verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. He goes on, above all else, when you see that, that probably should be underlined, above all else, guard your hearts, your will, your mind, and your emotions. Guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth and corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze 
directly before you, make level paths for your feet, and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. I just heard on the news yesterday that the Barna Group, which is a polling group, uh, they took a study and they found out that only 13% of all Christians read their Bible on any kind of a regular basis. 13%. So if you've got a congregation of 100 people, which would be a decent-sized congregation, you've got 13 of them that are reading their Bible regularly. If you've got a congregation of 1,000, then you've got 130 people that are reading their Bible. That's, that's really amazing, isn't it? And so today, I really want to just talk to you about the Word of God, about loving God, about loving your neighbor, about fixing your eyes. Our scripture that we just read said this, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your eyes directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let me read a scripture to you out of Hebrews, one of my very favorite books, Hebrews chapter 12. You're welcome to turn there if you want to. It's Hebrews chapter 12 starting at verse 1. I'll wait for a second till you get there. Hebrews 12, 1. Are you there? Are we there yet, Dad? <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's referring back to Hebrews chapter 11 with all of the, the Old Testament witnesses that, that were uh, such amazing servants of the living God and went through so many different things it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the, with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but God has marked out a path for each one of us. And we're to run that race with perseverance. We're to be patient. That's one of my weak points. I don't know if any of you have that same problem, but um, I'm amazed at, at how impatient I can be. God is always showing me and teaching me that I need to work on that. He says in verse 2, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He should be the, the priority. He should be what we're looking at. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, Consider him, or study him, or think about him, or, 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 or learn of him, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well, I don't know about you, but in today's world, if you look at the world, 
if you look at circumstances, it's really e easy to grow weary and lose heart, isn't it? And you know, we're to be, we're to be um, engaged in politics and in things that we can uh, have a voice in, a voice for the Lord. But that's not to be our focus. Our focus is to be Jesus Christ. Now we, we talk and we learn about the Antichrist, which is I think is very interesting, but that's not our focus in, in life, is it? We're probably, you and I are probably never going to see who the Antichrist is because he probably won't be revealed until well into the tribulation. But it's interesting, but we need to focus on Jesus Christ. Listen to this next verse. It says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I was watching a uh, program yesterday, a, a pastor in Iran. He's called the Billy Graham of Iran. And he was telling uh, the audience that the church in Iran is growing. It's probably the fastest growing church in all the world. Does that blow your mind? Iran. It's against the law to be a Christian in Iran. In China, if you want to go to church, if you want to go to a church that's recognized by the Chinese government, you have to register. If you want to go to an unregistered church or an underground church, then you take the chance of being arrested. In Syria, uh, the Assad regime has almost all but eliminated Christianity. There are Christians, but they are way underground. And here we are in Eagle Point, Oregon, okay? Sitting in an air-conditioned <coughs> church, relaxing on nice padded chairs, able to come to church any Sunday we want, any Wednesday we want, and yet we're not, uh, we have not resisted to the point of shedding our blood. I wonder whether that's going to come to the United States of America. I really believe it probably is. We see already now persecution happening. We see Christians being silenced. We see uh, big tech uh, uh, censoring good quality, common sense, Christian values. It's happening, and it's only going to get worse. Let me read something to you out of Hosea, okay? And you don't have to turn there because I'll be done before you find it. It's one of those books where we, uh, we need to study more. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says this, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. You know, that's amazing because there is a, uh, a proverb in the New Testament and it is about the sowing of seed. And you've all heard it. The sower, which is God, he goes out to sow seed, which is the Word of God, right? And he scatters the seed. And the seed is the Word, and some of it falls on the path. And you know, there are people today, and have been 
that trample on the Word of God. Romans chapter 1 says that people actually try to change the Word of God. They suppress the Word of God. They don't want the Word of God to go out. Of course, that's all satanic. That's very evil. You look at some of the music we have today. It's, it's absolutely anti-God and anti-Christ. So, we see here that the first seed that was sown was sown along the path. And these are people that just flat out reject Christ. There's no, there's no growth there at all. The next seed that the proverb talks about is the seed that's sown on the rocks. And because the rocks had a little bit of soil in them, the seed came up. But when persecution came, what happened? The seed died out and there was no fruit. The next uh, seed that was planted was planted and the thorns grew up around it. I think, personally, I think that's where we are today. I think that the thorns are the things of the world. What does Satan do to keep us from God? What does Satan do to keep the 87% of Christians from looking and reading the Word every day or every week? Well, I think one of the things he does is he makes us so busy that we don't have time. Right? We're so busy, we just don't have time. We don't make time for it. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, I got to do this. You know, if we just took one hour of TV time. Oh. One hour of TV time and just turned it off. There isn't that much on anyway. And just read the word. Just read the word for an hour. I guarantee you, your life would change. So the thorns are the circumstances in life that just seem to grow up around the believer and they, it says it chokes out the fruitfulness of the word. And of course the last seed, it says it's planted on good ground and it brings forth fruit. And I hope and pray that that's where we're at. So what does God love? God loves those who love Jesus. He loves those who love each other. And He loves those who love righteousness, justice, God's Word, family, and goodness. You know, one thing I pray for every day is I pray that God will send His Holy Spirit to minister to believers, first of all. To minister to believers that are in countries that, where they cannot worship God openly or believers that are being persecuted for their faith. All kinds of believers. You know what I pray for the believers in the United States? That we would get off our duff. That we get off our duff and we would do what God wants us to do. We are the richest of the rich as far as believers go. And there's so much need out there that we could be really fruitful in helping God with uh, persecuted believers, with presenting the gospel, with the, film, uh, the films that are being shown in di these different places. You know, there's some revivals happening in different places in the world, and I would sure like to see the United States be a part of that revival. Well, God loves obedience, and it is the proof of love. Let me read a couple scriptures to you, okay? First, I'm going to read in 1 John chapter 2, 
And you're welcome to turn there if you want to. I probably won't be there very long. 1 John chapter 2, and here's what it says. It's the book right before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 2. And I will be in... I'm just going to start in verse 1. 1 John 2, 1. John is speaking. This is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And he says this, My dear children... So he's speaking to believers here. He says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You know, it's interesting to think that when Jesus was on earth, okay, he lived his life perfectly as an example of what we can or what we should do. He died a perfect death, and we talk about that especially on Communion Sunday, what he accomplished with God. And he's still ministering. Jesus Christ, having raised from the dead, is still ministering on our behalf. You know what he does? Is he takes our prayers and he presents them to the Father. Because the prayer comes from me imperfectly, right? I'm an imperfect person. I know that that shocks you. Okay? But I'm very imperfect, and my prayers are imperfect. But yet they go to a perfect advocate, a perfect defense attorney, and Jesus inter intercedes for us, and he presents my prayer to God perfectly, so that God can present a perfect answer to it. Listen to this. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now this is what I want you to, to, to think about. The man who says, and this would include women too, the man who says, I know him. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. Now that's harsh. Is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. In John chapter uh, 13, let me read a scripture to you there. And this is Jesus' new command, he says. It says, a new command I give you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is John chapter 13, verse 34. And this is the night that he was to be betrayed. This is the night that Judas went out and arranged for the temple guards to come and take Jesus and arrest him. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, some people are hard to love, aren't they? But you know what? We're to love them. We're to... Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God loves Satan? Yeah. That's a tough one, isn't it? 
you think that God loves Satan? Do you think that God loves Adolf Hitler? I think that God loves his creation. Whoever they are, what he doesn't love is he doesn't love the sin. He doesn't love the sin in people. Remember that. So here's what he says. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. And this is the final test of discipleship. This one verse. By this, by what? By God's love, by you loving one another, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the final test of a Christian. Loving one another. But, does God hate anything? Well, I hate to tell you this, but He does. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6, and we'll check the list that, of things that God hates. And if there's anything on this list that applies to you or me, we need to change it. Okay? We need to change it. Proverbs chapter 6, and I'll be in verse 16. It says this. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to Him. Ooh. Okay. Haughty eyes. We don't use the word haughty anymore unless you're talking about a woman that crosses the street. She might be haughty. But not this type of haughty, okay? Haughty eyes. Haughty is arrogance. It's despising. It's disdain. It's pride. It's a better, I'm better than you attitude. Haughty eyes. God hates haughty eyes. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 15, it says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And I always add to that, God will. God's going to test us. You might as well test yourself. And if there's anything in you, especially in this list of seven things, man, pray to God and, and ask God to help you change that. So the first thing he hates is haughty eyes or pride. That was the very first sin that was ever committed. Did you know that? Yeah, that was the sin of uh, Lucifer. Lucifer looked into that crystal sea of glass and he saw himself. And he said, wow, I am gorgeous. And he, he sinned in pride. Decided that he wanted to be God. A lying tongue. Hmm. What does this include? It includes slander, gossip, backbiting. You know, in James chapter 3, it says this. It says, the tongue no man can tame. I see some of you shaking your hands, or your heads. I have really, really been trying lately to be more kind to people. Especially when I'm in my car and somebody cuts in front of me or somebody backs out of the driveway and hits you, right? Or somebody's doing 
33 in a 35 mile an hour zone and you're saying, you idiot. You know, it says in James chapter 3, it says that sweet water and bitter water should not flow out of the same mouth, same cistern, right? And that's something that's true. No man can tame the tongue, it says. It says big ships have rudders. You can steer a big ship with a small rudder. It says that, you know, you can put a bridle on a horse and a big horse, you know, a horse that weighs 1,200 pounds and you can control that horse, hopefully. I prefer horsepower. But the tongue is, the tongue is an evil and we need, it, the Bible says that a man or woman that can control their tongue is in control of their entire body. Now, don't be sad. Okay, we're all trying. All right, it's going to get better. What else does he say? Well, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. You know, when I reread this this morning, the first thing that came to my mind was Vladimir Putin and bombing all of these helpless civilians in Ukraine. I mean, he's killing women, children, and men that have no, no take in the war at all. I would not want to be him when I come in front of the Lord at the white, great white throne judgment and uh, have to explain myself. Of course, there won't be any explaining at the white throne, great white throne judgment. It's all going to be, yeah, bad. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. You know, it says in the Bible, we are not unaware of Satan's schemes. Satan schemes against believers. He tries to take them away from the Word of God, and it seems like he's doing a pretty good job because 87% of believers are not reading their Bible on a regular basis. I would say that's a success for him. He tries to make sure that the Jewish people and the nation of Israel is persecuted and that they never find out, they never learn that Jesus Christ is their Savior. And he goes to the unbelievers and he tries to keep their minds blinded, which we see today. I mean, the stuff that's going on today, you ask yourself, how can these people even think this is normal? How can they even do what they're doing? And it's not normal. As I said to you yesterday, or last Sunday, we are living in a world that's going insane. Chalepos, okay? Insanity. Same word that was used only one other time in the New Testament when Jesus crossed the lake and he, the two uh, uh, demonic men came out to meet him and that word was chilepos they were out of their minds and it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 that in the last days perilous times or insane times will come I don't know about you but I think we're, we're, we're seeing that today for sure well let's go on we're almost done haughty eyes a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked schemes. It's interesting because 
there's a fellow that owns a cabin at the Lake of the Woods above my kids' cabin. And they talked to him about drilling a well and going in on it with him. And so they set up the whole uh, meeting between the well driller and this guy. And so he met with this guy, the well driller, and he said, well, let's go ahead and put the well on my property. And then at the boat dock, about a week later, he told us, my son and I, he said, well, if you guys can't come up with the money by September, I'm just going to drill the well myself and, and keep it to myself. A heart that devises wicked schemes to, to actually keep water from your neighbor. That's pretty bad. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Do not instigate or participate in any kind of evil. The Bible says flee from temptation. Flee from it. Just run from it. Another thing is a false witness who pours out lies. You know, don't repeat anything you can't verify that's bad. Because that makes you an accomplished an accomplished accomplice an accomplished accomplice okay to a person that has started a rumor or a lie you know I always say this if you can't say something good just don't say something at all okay just don't there's no reason for it it doesn't make you look better it just what you're doing is you're building your happiness on someone else's unhappiness. And that's not right. And the last thing here is certainly not the least. It's a culmination of the previous six. It says a man or a woman, I added the woman part, a man or a woman who stirs up dissension among brothers. You know, God hates disunity. He hates division. Yeah, we're all different. We all have different personalities. We all have different likes and dislikes. You know, some of us are going to be best friends and some of us are not. But you know what? We are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. God, in Jesus Christ, died a vicious, horrible death on the cross for each one of us. And I should respect that in my brother or sister, shouldn't I? I might not agree with them. I keep my mouth shut. If we can have a reasonable conversation, fine. But have you noticed today that it's hard to have a reasonable conversation with people? They're so stuck in what they believe, and uh, it's just a shame. Let me finish on 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. We still have an hour, so I'll, uh, I'll read it real slow to you, okay? 1 John... 4, 7, and here's what it says. This is a beautiful scripture. John, the revelator, half-brother of Jesus, writes this to us in 1 John chapter 4, and starting in verse 7, listen to what he says. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I love that scripture that says that Jesus said, the new command I give you is to love one another. This is how the world will know that you're a Christian. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Do you guys know that song? How many of you don't know that song? Let's see. Let's see if I can. Let's see if we, I can sing. Okay. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And I pray that our unity will someday be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to love even those that are hard to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's try that. We are one in the Spirit again, since you guys all know it now, right? And then I'll let you go. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will someday be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. Hey, God bless you. I want you to know it's three minutes to 12. And you've been blessed today, okay? And have a great Sunday. Come Wednesday night here, hear the study.